The Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Junie Moon. I was introduced to Junie through a mutual friend, and she's incredible. She's really such, she's a coach, and she is just this, her healing for herself. She's so committed to fully healing herself and others in her podcast and in her work and in her life. So you are in for a treat about rebooting your life in midlife. So let's hear it from Junie Moon, author and dating expert. Welcome, Junie Moon, to the Open Nesters podcast. It's so nice to see your face again. Hi. Aww, thank you for having me. Same well, to I was on. We were on your podcast, which is coming up soon. That you'll, yeah. You could even tell people if you already have a date when we were talking together on your beautiful podcast called The Love Podcast and all the wonderful writing that you've been doing around love and shadow work and and also being an Open Nester mom yourself. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, I actually have my computer turned off. I'm just focusing on you. So I don't know when you're coming up, but you're coming up soon. And it's called Midlife Love Out Loud. And I, it was a wonderful interview. I uh, can't wait to share you and your wise words. Midlife Love Out Loud. So t- so let's talk about midlife. Like <laughs> what, what comes up for you right now as the things that are 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 the most resonant in your heart. And, and even if you want to talk a little bit about the stage of life with, with kids and coming into ourselves. Sure. Yeah. That's at least five episodes, right? Right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, well, I, I consider midlife, you know, you're done having the babies, the kids are out of the house or almost out of the house, you know? So, you know, over 40, give or take, (laughs) Um, and, uh, it is, it's like, it's like a reboot, you know, I mean, I, my son moved out around 11 or so years ago and it was, huh, I don't have to be here anymore. I don't have to make the food or have certain things in the house. And it was a real, like, whew, like a reset of new chapter. So that's how I view it is it's a re- it's a reboot of of a, of our lives and and I specifically focus on women that are single or you know wanting to have great relationships um yeah it's 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 a little bit of a am I allowed to curse on this I should Absolutely. ask that right off the bat yes. it's it's a little bit of a mind fuck you know after you know uh bringing up a kid for so many years and taking care of the household and all that nurturing giving energy and then it's now it's my turn and so it's exciting. It's really exciting. And it's also a, well, now what? So it can be very confusing. It could be thrilling. It could be expansive. It can be contractive. It can be so many things. And that's why I love doing what I do because I stepped into a what's next for me and have created a life that I absolutely love and help others to do the same specifically in finding love and partnership that pollutes people's boots. 
Loads of boats and 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 um, and and the floating is an interesting concept when you say that because it makes me think of the idea that we we aren't always. Um, I mean, I also like water as its fluidity. I love grounding as it's as as it really can get us to be a conduit between what we can be in our own authentic selves, just like the trees. They're so yeah. unique. And I just I know that you did some really interesting things to bring yourself alive at this stage. So I'd love you to talk about that, what started floating your boat and how that transition happened for you. Yeah, thank you. You know, and as you were talking, I was also thinking about, you know, that blank slate can be really scary, you know, not knowing what's next, what's possible. And not, you know, you were talking about being authentic. I remember huge huge um, time s- spent with who am I now and how do I want to be and and what is next for me um, so I did I did spend a lot of time really asking myself some huge questions and I got support and I I did a lot of Tony Robbins work I dove into my shadow work even though I, I was already a trained shadow worker at that time and had clients at the time uh, I did a lot of personal growth work to really set the tone for creating the life that I have now. It didn't just happen overnight. It's been a journey and it's been truly uh, a journey of self-discovery uh, and it continues on, you know, as, as you know, I, I lost my dog a couple of days ago and it's like another friggin' chapter. Sometimes I look up at spirit and go, can I have a sabbatical please? Uh, and so there, it's like these resets and these moments of, well, gosh, I can actually pick up and hop into a car right now or a plane if I want. And then there's also allowing myself to grieve and loss and feel the emptiness and the quiet of the house like I did when my son was gone. So it's just all these flavors of adjusting and dropping into how do I want my life to be? Who do I want in my life? And yeah. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, grief brings up more grief. I mean, that's really something that we need to look at. And I think that's what you're feeling right now. And actually, I wanted to ask you about your marriage. So did you, you raised your son as a single mom, right? Because, because people out there. Um, Not fully. No, Um, we were together a full 20 years and my son ended up flying the coop at 16. So there was only two years that uh, my son was just me. It was just me and, and him. Uh, so, and it was full time, just me and him, uh, during the, the fun years of teens, <laughs> being a teen and being a very challenging teen at that. He was, he was, he was a, a tough cookie. Um, and hey, you know, the truth, 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 truth is I felt like a single parent, to be really honest. In fact, uh, my ex who is, you know, still close, we still love each other. And actually, even when the dog died, you know, he was there for me and, it was beautiful, like the conversations and the love that that we share still to this day. And we even voice that we would do anything for each other and be there for each other for anything because there's that bond forever. However, certainly not someone I want to spend a lot of time with or be married to. Um, and he thanks me on an, a regular basis for bringing up our kid. He was so focused on his business. He was very self-absorbed. He did not, you know, we, we would go on trips and it would be me and my son and my, my husband was off doing whatever he wanted to do. So, um, so in some ways I was a single parent <laughs> for most of my son's life. And then the two years after, uh, we split and divorced. Uh, so 
And a lot yeah. of people, I think there are a lot of single women out there. I can even think of some of my my dear friends that would love to know how you think you created that pathway to support each other after the divorce. I mean, that's, an I think, an important component of, of that love doesn't go away. It can be kind of transmuted. Again, personal growth work on both of our parts, you know, and and he apologized at one point that he wasn't ready to do the work in the marriage. You know, I was, and I begged him, let's please get some help here. Um, and he wasn't ready, you know, and then he started doing his own work. Still not the person I want to be with, still not the person I want to be married to, still not someone I want to hang with a lot. Um, with that said, we had 20 years together and had a lot of beauty. And, and I just want to also say that we've, we all have our own unique journeys. You know, I could throw my ex under the bus in so many ways. And my friends know the stories and rightfully so, <laughs> you know, um, but where does that get me? Where does that lead me other than in anger or, you know, regret or whatever? And I, I that's not where I'm going to hang my hat. I, I, I came into that relationship with my own woundings and I grew and I learned because of my own woundings and his woundings. And so, yeah, we have, you know, for, for many years, there was a lot of anger on his part because in his mind, I abandoned him. In his mind, I broke up a marriage and put shame on my kid. And of course I was like, well, that might be an interesting story of yours, but that's not the story I'm Kellen for, for my son. And, uh, and so we grew separately, you know, after our divorce, he did his journey. I did my journey. And now there is a place where we meet and it's because we deeply care about each other and we always will. Uh, it's just a different iteration of our relationship. Yeah, and who knows where it's going to go. So, and so the way you discuss love and I think accepting all those shadows to, um, and I want to hear more about your shadow work, but I did want to ask what came up for me is this idea of partnership as we get older and how that can change and, and what how you see partnership in, in as far as the coaching you're doing and the women you're working with and, and, and even for yourself, how you see partnership at this stage of life. Yeah. And again, it's such a personal choice. And as, as I moved through the years, I shifted and changed and asked myself lots of questions. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were dancing and laughing and having a great time. It was my birthday and we were celebrating. And, um, and we were just talking about the fact that we, we both have had encounters with women, uh, which we both didn't know about with each other. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I remember being in college and like really deeply loving this one woman, you know, but it was platonic. We were just friends. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I could never do that. What would people think? What would my mother think? What, you know, um, and then as the years went on, you know, I went, I was always monogamous and I was always, you know, geared toward, you know, men. And then through our marriage, around eight, nine years into the marriage, we started talking about different types of relationships and different types of being together. So again, you know, another chapter and, you know, years went by, more self-esteem, more understanding of what makes me happy, less concerned about what other people think. And so I arrived into this place with my husband at the time and we said, let's experiment. And we did. And there were ups and downs with that. And then after that, after the, the marriage, I found my greatest, greatest love. And um, and we were monogamous. I loved how deep we went. And I was like, hmm, I think I'm monogamous. And now, and now I'm now years later, I'm sitting with the, 
where am I now? What makes me happy? And I realize I can go many different directions and I'm good with that. It's just about that the the fluidity of your ability to be in 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 relation with yourself and be and and know that that can flow and we change our agreements if we need to with our partners it's like real conscious communication yes it, with ourselves and then with others so so what are the some of the ways you discuss love and shadow work with your clients like what are the things that you think are most compelling and important for us to understand at this stage around that Well, you just said the word that was like the total perfect word was conscious, conscious. You know, so much of our wiring is unconscious. So much of our belief system is unconscious. I could say I want to have uh, a certain type of relationship, but if in the background I hear I'm not worthy, you're not good enough, all men suck, you know, (laughs) whatever the beliefs are, uh, all men just want younger women. I mean, my God, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on from our cultural uh, conditioning, from our well-meaning parents, you know, everywhere we go. And then our experiences, it lays down a lot of belief systems and and a very unkind inner critic to keep us from getting hurt. So shadow work is a body of work that shines a light on the unconscious programming and helps us become more aware of our authentic self. What is it that truly moves us? What you know, like I, I used to walk on eggshells with my husband. I was so afraid to speak my truth. I was so afraid to lose him. I was so codependent. I mean, like, I don't recognize who I am now. And it was because I became conscious of that horrible inner critic that had me eating so much food that I was 200 pounds and miserable and thinking I was so ugly. And again, the list goes on. And then I hit rock bottom and I found this body of work. That allowed me to go, wait a second, I'm deserving of love. You know, the, the the bullshit that says because my thighs are bigger than yours, I'm less lovable or 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 ugly. I mean, what's that about? I, I did a short film on body image and body shame and how, you know, that it's just a, a load of crap that we've we've been given Such around a beautiful, what beauty is and isn't. Fully you know? sensory film that you made. Oh, you saw it. (laughs) Yes, of course. And I would love, you know, to point people to your website. We'll we'll give them all the information on the blog as well. Sure, sure. Thank you. So so, these are the things we need to, we need to unpack the stuff that runs us, the beliefs that runs us. And it might show up as sabotaging. It might show up as um, uh, being unkind to ourselves, or vegging out and numbing out or any of those things. And when we can really love ourselves, you know, be ourselves, and not worry about what other people think. And a lot of that is growing up and that is the journey. However, I'm meeting some pretty friggin' aware 20 and 30 year olds. Something is definitely changing. Uh, and for the people that I work with, mostly, you know, midlife and up, mostly fifties and sixties, you know, there's a lot of unpacking of, you know, beliefs and a lot of fear that they're going to get hurt. And, how amazing it is when we can really know our value and our truth, be able to stand strongly in it uh, in a in a way that is aligned, not aggressive, comfortable, not a push. It's it's a whole different way of being. So how do you help people if they're, we are sometimes, when we open our hearts, we open it to, to the, the, the emotions that come with that, which can be a sadness and hurt or, dis, you know, I don't even want to call it disappointment because that's an expectation. It's a matter of, being able to go through that. How do you help people hold that? Like, what are some of the initial ways you come into that work? Yeah, yeah. You know, the first thing I thought was allowing ourselves to feel what we need to feel. 
<laughs> we, we in this culture, certainly as women have been told we're too much and shamed for our emotions, you know, that we're so emotional and it's just, it's, yes, we can sometimes overflow because of some of the wiring. And at the end of the day, can we honor when we're angry and we have something to say? Can we honor that we're hurting and cry? Like I've been crying for days over, over my dog, you know, it's like, can we just allow ourselves to be ourselves and, and honor that. And so when people come to me, we start with what is it that you want? We start there. We call it the sovereign energy. What is it you desire? What is it that you don't have that you truly want to bring in? And sometimes women can't even figure out what that is. I do work with some men, but mostly women. And they, they can't even voice it because they're so afraid that if they do, things will change and they're going to get hurt on some level. We call that the risk manager, that there's this part that is assessing the danger on a regular basis because of all the messaging and all the experiences they've had in their life. So we start with the dreaming. What's possible? What would you love to have happen if you could? And what's getting in the way? Is it an inner critic? Is it a behavior? Is it whatever it is? Let's, let's, let's look at the patterns of how you've been being in your life. And then we do these special processes. It's it's a lot of people throw the word shadow around and I we probably should talk about what shadow is, but let me just say that shadow work is is definitely becoming more of a buzzword and people are definitely hearing more and more. And I've been trained in the original trademark body of work called shadow work. And so there's special processes using different tools to help people really learn how to, how to stand their ground and have a healthy warrior energy so they really can speak their truth and protect themselves. We, we unpack in a beautiful way that's not scary. Well, sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can be when you're bumping up against a shadow, which is the part that you said, I don't want to be like. The shadow is the part that you've disowned because it's dangerous on some level to be that way. I put my voice in shadow because I was bullied as a kid. By the time I got to high school, I couldn't raise my hand in class. I was so scared that if I said anything, whether it was the right answer, the wrong answer, or just suddenly I'm in the limelight, I would be pushed against walls and, and hurt. So my risk manager said, let's put your voice in shadow. Let's put your bubbly energy in shadow. Let's put anger in shadow, because if you express your anger, you might get into a fight and then what? So we cut off these parts of ourselves. And then we lose access to beautiful energy. And so shadow work helps us take back these parts in a conscious, aligned way. So that is, these emotions are the running you, us. What are some of the ways you do that with the body? Like, is there ways to bring up this roar? Or is it like, like what, what are some of the actual like ways you start helping people access that shadow? Oh, that's such a great question. You have so many wonderful questions. I'm loving this. So you know, if I were to say, okay, start to roar, we're going <laughs> to, we're, we're going to probably think what roaring is like and maybe do it, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, and that's where most personal growth work is, a, you know, that's kind of what they're doing is, is from the neck up, let's think our way through, let's figure stuff out. Oh, you need to roar. Okay. Roar. But that's not going to, like you talked about the body, you know, there's a lot below the chin, you know? And yes. so, and so when somebody desires to have more of that warrior energy, to be able to have the sword at their side and feel rooted in the ground, 
Well, the first thing, very easy thing, you don't even have to do shadow work. You could just stand right now, put your hands on your hips like Superman or Superwoman, take a breath and just say to yourself, I matter. <laughs> you know, it's like, like just putting your body in a position of strength and authority that your brain will change. That's neuroscience. There is, there is proof to show that the brain can be tricked very quickly. So you, if you're slumped in a chair, feel like, Seriously, the last few days, I've been slumping and sleeping and crying and allowing myself to grieve because, hey, grief is there to be valued. And it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of being on this planet and being a human being. And there's only so much grieving, you know, it's exhausting, you know. And so, you know, let me go for a walk. Let me let me get in my body and move and not just be mush. So consciously, I've been playing with that energy, but mostly allowing myself to flow in the emotion. So for, you know, to access healthy anger, not where we're going to have power over somebody or screaming at somebody, because when we push stuff down, it comes out like that. That's what happened in my marriage. I would be beating on his chest with such rage because I kept pushing down my voice. And so now it's like with, with my clients, what do you want? I want to be able to speak up for myself. Why can't you? Because I'm terrified of X, Y, and Z. Then we do these special processes that allow them to get in their body and feel maybe the vulnerable place, feel or hear the message that tells them. And this is typically what happens. There's a message that, that really gets under their skin. And anybody that's listening, just think of a message that gets under your skin and makes you want to just go shut that fuck up, you know? But maybe you don't. Maybe you don't tell them, hey, I don't want to be talked to like that, or we need to take a break. Maybe you can't stand up for yourself, but what is a belief or, or a message that you might get from somebody's behavior or look that you just want to go stop? Whatever that message is, is creating that fear of, I better not stand up. And so what do you, what do I do with people? If that's the direction that they desire to go in is I have them take a stand with that part. And we run this energy where they exaggerate it in a symbolic container where there aren't real life consequences. And they can rip paper up, stomp their feet with my guidance because it's not just about roaring. That's where I think my judgment around some of the screaming, shouting, hit a pillow thing. There's another step that I believe is missing, which is the facilitation. What we do in shadow work is then we anchor it in and we get them a new program running and we get them to really know what that energy feels like, not just the catharsis, but the ability to go, huh, my third chakra feels strong and alive and I can speak my truth or whatever it is. So we do a lot in the body for sure. Beautiful. So powerful. And you were speaking about grief and 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 the slumping in our body posture and and it makes me think I have a dear friend right now going through, and I as as well, most of us lose our parents at this stage of life as we're going to go through grief. And and how we hold that, how we hold the ability to look as grief as um, actually a beautiful quote that her father, who is very close to the end or passing on or forward, passing to the next life, he said, um, you know, life is worth dying for. Uh. And you know what? We we do feel like sometimes we 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 want it to be all joy and beautiful, but the joy does come with sadness underneath it. It's tinged and we're allowed to feel it all. Yeah. 
and play with that whole piano of all of our emotions, the full keyboard. Yes, I love that metaphor. Yes, because most of us have been programmed, all of us, in my opinion, have been programmed to play very few keys, to fit in, to stay safe, to not get dis- you know disappoint people. And we're we're running old programs from many, 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 many moons ago when we were in tribes. And if we got kicked out of the tribe, we wouldn't survive. So, you know, it runs through us. And so grief, you know, it's huge. Uh, you know, my, my dad died when I was 14. And that really set up the journey to a large extent of how I with men and fear of loss. And I've had to work on it. And now I'm able to sit in my grief without the, the fear of it swallowing me whole. I mean, there was a like a good few years in my 20s. I needed to feel strong. I couldn't be vulnerable. I didn't have my dad and I couldn't cry. I couldn't shed a tear, but I tried. And it's been a journey to be able to cry everywhere. I, I warn friends if we go out to dinner, I'm like, just so you know, I might cry at the restaurant, you know? Um, yeah because it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of being a human being. And to live fully with all of the keys is our birthright. It's our birthright. And, you know, a lot of us know that the the shortest distance between people and the vulnerability can come from laughter. But crying with someone actually, for me, first of all, is is a really beautiful way for me to know I'm being seen and for allowing that. And I love that you brought that up. At this stage, for us to just know that what a, why, why are we not living fully in all of our emotions is such an important message here. And and also the, um, you know, I once heard, and you know that, so precipita- precipitation in the air kind of clears things, right? So I always like to say that whether I'm laughing and crying from laughter or crying because I'm just hysterically crying and I need to release it, it that clarifies things afterward. Mm. It's like a lift, right? Mm. We need it. Yeah. We actually need it. And so few people understand. And certainly men, I, I wish could give more permission for them too. I mean, do you have how you work with any men that you've helped with them with that part as oh well? Oh my God, I love working with men. You know, at, through the journey of putting my work out there and fine tuning, like who who do I serve? It it just sort of happens where my focus is women that are starting over single and looking for partnership and afraid to really put themselves out there or questioning whether they really can find their love. So, you know, I took the shadow work to help them unpack and bring themselves up to speed and give them dating strategies. So I've been doing the shadow work with mostly women now. However, it was just a heartbeat ago that I would work with men of, and and people in general, all ages, um, that are wanting something, whether it's excelling in their business, but they have a blind spot there, or self hatred, and and they're you know they're not being kind to their body. Um, I love working with men, and I love this work. I mean, I'm an acupuncturist. I I was I, I don't know how many years. Oh gosh, 20, 30 years. I've lost track. Um, oh gosh, definitely over twenty years. Um, and so. I could easily open up an acupuncture practice, make a shit ton of money, and it'd be so much easier than going into the trenches of, of people's programming. However, however, love, people, this life, my heart, I am so committed to helping people have full lives and to have the healing that I have had. I've been in the same size, healthy body for over 20 years. 
I'm able to open my heart and connect deeply with beloveds, have amazing intimacy, sexual intimacy, be able to be on stages of thousands of people when I was having such a small life because I was so afraid. I was so afraid. And so I was like, oh my God, I must bring shadow work out into the world. So that was a long answer to do I work with men? But yes, I love, I love working with humans, humans that want to live out loud. That's why I love the out loud part. You know, it's, I have midlife love out loud, but my first live stream show was life out loud. You know, it's, it's living fully, fully expressed. Ah, we all deserve it. We all want it. Yes. We're just terrified yes, because sir. of all the freaking things. <laughs> Absolutely. You, know? you are so beautifully expressive in this way. I, and you could see how much work you've done to live that this big life out loud and inspire people. I'm so honored to be able to hear your your inspiration. Oh, thank you. So is there any any last things that you'd like to close with? Make sure people know. And also you'll give us your contact information verbally and on so that everyone can hear it besides seeing it and written right in, in the blog. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I mean, you know, if you go to my website, Midlife Love Out Loud whether you're a man or a woman. I mean, it's obviously geared to women, but there's so much content there. There's so much about healing and, and my podcast acts, you know, you can access my podcast there. Uh, and there's even a quiz that's about to be uploaded any second. I don't know when this is going live, but it's, it's, you know, discover your love avatar. It's such a great quiz. So that's coming soon. Yay. So going to my site is great. And the word that just came to mind, which is something that I'm really embracing more and more every day is gentleness. Be gentle. We have had decades of programming. We've had decades of experiences and we can be really hard on ourselves. And, and I think the more gentle, imagine what you would say to your best friend. Imagine what you would say to a beloved. Are you talking to yourself that way? Be gentle with yourself because we are stepping into a new chapter or rebuilding or tweaking or anything like this stage of life is magical in so many ways. And it's a stretch sometimes and there is loss and there is beauty. And so ride the waves, you know, merrily, merrily, merrily down the stream. Gently down the stream. Gently down the stream. <laughs> it's true. Those words are so simple and wise. Well, thank you, Junie, as you are more than just simple, but simple. There's something about simplicity that's just so beautiful. So I wish you so much more love and health and your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we will definitely stay connected. So. So some of the questions, Amir, I think this really asks us is, how do I want my life to be? And who do I want in my life once I really know myself? I'll tell you the truth. I, I, I would like to to have somebody like Hitch advising me and telling me what to do and taking me through the whole process of dating because dating is a very stressful process uh, that you know uh, that can wear you down. Well, I was talking about what do I want my life to be. So dating yeah. is love is always part of it and she definitely is um is is a big big part of her work is around dating. So thank you for bringing that up. But I do think that it's also for us to first be able to get to that real question of what we're looking for for ourselves. Um and that and that is not just performative like Hitch teaches. No, no, I, I know. I know what you mean, but I, I when I when I listened to her, I I thought about Hitch. I thought about uh 
uh, how, how wonderful it would be somebody just to whisper in your ear to tell you the right thing to say, the right way to behave. And it's all part of figuring out where you want to be and what you want to do. So what kind of a person you're looking for? And that's for the problem that I see, and I'm sure that's for women as, as, as much as it's for men, that so many people stereotype everybody else, and it's immediately from a first glance. Do you believe in first class? Uh, I mean, for, for, lo- love at first sight, just because sight, cause we all yeah. fight, because you had that with me. I don't know. I've never experienced love at first sight. I've, I've experienced lust at first, at first energy, at first chemical, a feeling of like, wow, I really want to be with that person. But I haven't had a feeling of like, I know this is it forever. The no, there's not, nothing them. forever. I mean, you know, do you don't think that one can just be attracted to I somebody? Do, I do. Love at first sight? I mean, I w- w- what makes it being a first sight situation what makes it uh, that we don't say well you know i don't like the way you smile or she smile or he smile i don't like the way his hair combed or i don't like the color of her hair i mean how do how do we know that it's not really about that and it's a uh, long term how, how how can we figure that out i just don't put so much expectation especially as i got older on that outcome of of that this is it I, I feel like, yes, our, the more we develop ourselves, the, no, the more we know in the moment that we want to be with that person and then see how it, we evolve together. I, I am not talking about this is it forever and ever. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. I yeah. Mean, this is where we all are. But love, I mean, right, love do, at first sight. I do, think do, you're do, just, we, yeah. do we judge the book by its cover? Is that what we're doing all of us wrong? Just uh, well, That's uh, a very superficial thing to do. So. I think the whole point that she's talking about is co- being fully committed to ourselves and our healing so that we can connect to the to the authentic vulnerable person around us that we want but that we want to show see, ourselves. But who wants to see your vulnerable side when you're dating? You don't want to tell me, yeah, listen, you know what? I'm farting at night, so... <laughs> that mean, doesn't sound know, like the vulnerable side to me. No, That's just so, the, so, well, the human well, side. The human side, but, you know, I, share, listen, I cry a lot. Yeah. I cry yeah. a lot, and, you know, I'm yeah. very sensitive, and, yeah. you know, if you step on a cockroach, I'll be, so, I'll be I'll very sad. Or, I mean, you know, this is the vulnerable side. I mean, I, I'm not sure that, you know, one need to show all that uh, right at the first date, uh, I actually, you? I actually love knowing someone's soft spot. So yes, that's kind of how I come at it, and I think this is part of what she's teaching too. I think that's why you're saying as a man, and this is very interesting because you, you're, you're saying you don't want to know. Um, I mean, you want to know that someone has a soft a, spot, a, a sensitive, a kind. Uh, uh, you know, you, you want to know that, but you don't have to see all their vulnerability, all their weaknesses, all right from the beginning. You need to, I, I truly believe that you have to find some qualities that you love and you appreciate and respect. And then he says, you know what? I don't like that. And this is vulnerability that, you know, she's weak here or he's weak here. But if I take it overall, I think that all the good stuff is outweighing the bad stuff. I think that this is where we are. But if you see everything wrong at the beginning or bad or vulnerable, then I don't think that you're going to be able to to find the good stuff. You'll be checking out and quitting. 
I think you see. I think the more someone's able to show up and show both of their sides at the beginning is, for me, a, a more a more the, a resonant I, I and, and authentic possible. way. I don't think it's possible. I think that it's a, it's it's a, it's in a perfect world and that doesn't exist. I think that the dating scene is is is, is that hunt is stressful and it is, takes a lot of people uh, off guard, so to speak, and everybody try to show their good side. Uh, when they date, uh, you know, you we don't do. We do show our best selves. We do show our best selves, yeah. and and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying we don't. I just think that when we're less concerned about what others think, our best selves is a more authentic self, and that self can also show its softness. And when something bad happens, even at the beginning of a meeting, then you really know if someone can actually show up. I think that there's a lot of uh, people out there that are dating and accepting people out of desperation. They. Uh, They've, they're fed up with, with looking, they're fed up with the dating app, they're fed up with uh, dead-end dates, and they just want something to happen, so they kind of compromise, uh, so to speak, and then that's why we have such a high divorce rate. They think that this is it, but you don't, they don't really, you don't really believe in it. They just say, well, I'm going to give it a try. So jumping into a marriage or a long-term relationship becomes very easy to do because of the compromise. I, I see that as, as, as actually not what Junie's teaching. And actually what no, I, I think, think about dating is, is that it can be something that can it, we can learn from each person that we can meet if we're looking at it from an open mind of fun and exploration and curiosity based on our authentic development. So I don't have the same approach to it as you do. Look, uh, I would love to hear uh, her course. I would love to sit on and listen to what she's teaching people. Uh, and, uh, and, and she, but she works some with men, but mostly with women. So she's a consultant to women. So she see it all from a woman's side. And I don't. I think that she could probably advise many men of how to date properly. Beautiful, beautiful suggestion. Them, there you go, Junie. A, a, a lot, a lot of them <laughs> needs that. A lot of them needs that. I just read an article on a, on, on on dating that there are some of them are so cruel that if the date doesn't go well. They want their money back for the date, for the money that they spent for drinks or food or, or dinner. I um, mean, it's become real ugly with some men. They, they, they go to extreme just to uh, show the woman, oh, you don't like me? Then at least give me back my money. What is this? You're taking advantage of me. Is this what you do? You go for free dinners with everybody else? It's, it's an what, are, what, are, what are we looking for, though? And so the articles or media is going to bring up the shit. I'm not looking for the shit. We're looking for the highest part of a person. And so I'm not, we're going to make mistakes. We have to be willing to make mistakes and fall on our faces. Anyway, visit, uh, <laughs> visit uh, June website as she described it. Midlife Love Out Loud. Mid of life out loud. Explore that and also explore our website, theopennesters.com. Double in the middle, S at the end. Love to hear from you. Explore some of our old uh, and fresh, still fresh and relevant episodes and subscribe. Uh, yes, we are loving how you guys are sharing and we are growing. And thank you so much for being such loyal listeners. We feel like this has been a journey of us exploring and expanding. And so I hope and we'd love to hear from you what you've learned and what podcasts are relevant for you. And you could talk about this one or others on our closed Facebook page. Please follow us on Instagram. And really, we would love to, if you have guests that are doing really interesting things at this Act 3 of life that you can that you can suggest for our podcast. We're always looking for interesting, articulate, 
and vital, wonderful, vivacious people. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com. 